0: so thankful that you're here this morning to worship with us and uh, just want to go through a few announcements as we get started this morning, um, one being that tonight there will be no services on campus for kids, adults, or students tonight with, um, with, the, with Christmas and all the things happening. I know a lot of people have family things going on, so there'll be no services tonight, uh, but we will go Christmas caroling on Wednesday. So if you are around and you would like to go Christmas caroling to some of our um, some of our people who who can't get out as much in the community of some of our church family, we're going to be doing that Wednesday night, starting at six o'clock. Um, we'll meet in the fellowship hall and go from there. We usually have a few teams go out, and that's one of those things that we always can use more people. So if you uh, even if you don't sing very well, okay, because I'm going and. Uh, so even if you don't sing very well, you can still come and be a part of that, lip-sync if you want to, um, but we, um, we hope that you'll come and, and be a part of Christmas caroling with us Wednesday night. And then next Saturday is our Christmas Eve service. Um, it's personally my favorite service of the year, and uh, so if you don't have anything going on Christmas Eve at 6 o'clock, we'll have our Christmas Eve candlelight service. We'll take the Lord's Supper together um, and, and worship the Lord together on Christmas Eve. And then we get to a special occasion that comes around, I think we've figured out every eight or seven or eight years. Um, we get to have Christmas Day service. So next Sunday, December twenty-fifth, we'll have our regular service at ten thirty. Um There will be no Sunday school that day and no children's church that day because we want the family to be able to worship together on Christmas morning. Um, We will provide a nursery though, so if you have a little bitty one and you want to bring them, there will be a nursery available. But children will stay with their parents and uh, they'll get a chance to worship with their parents that day um, on Christmas morning. We will have donuts and hot chocolate and coffee at 10 o'clock in the lobby, I'm being told, so on Christmas Day. So not today, today you missed it, um, but <laughs> next Sunday on Christmas Day, so if you want to come a little early, grab a donut and some hot chocolate, that'll be available right out here in the, um, in the Welcome Center. And I think that's all that we have, There's, that's enough. So um, as we get prepared for worship, I'm going to ask... Mr. Jackie, if he'll come, and he's going to read our call to worship.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Ma- Merry, Christmas. Merry Christmas. Hey, listen, I wanted to real quick, uh, Pastor Neil. Don't know about this. I'm going to make a plug real quick uh, for. We're starting our new Bible study on Tuesday nights, um, The World of the End, the new David Jeremiah study. So, Tuesday nights at 6, if you don't have anything to do, come on out, we'd love to have you. So, uh, let me get my glasses on where I can see. All right, um, when Pastor Neil contacted me or whatever about doing this morning or whatever and found out that it was the, the joy as far as the, that, that's what we're lighting this morning is the pink candle for joy. And... I always like to kind of go beyond. I did a little digging, so I kind of looked in. I want to share a couple of things that I found out with you, and then we'll get into the Bible verse that Pastor Neal wanted me to read. Uh, we're lighting the joy candle this morning, and I wanted to give you a little background about what it really means. Now, I'm not trying to steal Pastor Neal's thunder. I just wanted to kind of throw this in there. The word joy is used over 100 times in the Bible. The candle is pink, and it's sometimes called the shepherd's candle, which represent the news that the shepherds received. I kind of go into that, give you the verse where it came from, and then kind of explain it. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy. Now, you notice they he didn't say merry or happy. It was joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So the angel's talking about joy and the baby. That's why we have the pink candle for joy. We know it's a busy time of year. We just finished one night in Bethlehem. Everybody's getting their homes and their trees decorated, uh, Christmas cards and letters to write, plays and musicals to attend, and buying, wrapping presents. I mean, just cooking and baking, on and on. It's real busy. But sometimes we get so caught up that we forget what we're really celebrating. And, and uh, that's why I wanted to kind of, you know, bring it out, what and why we're celebrating. And that's where I'm finally getting to what Pastor Neil wanted me to read. And it's from Habakkuk. 3:17 and 18. And this is what it says. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there is no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Now, Habakkuk, he was talking about, you know, troubles and trials of his day, what he knew, which was agriculture and farming. So that's what he's talking about, you know, living off the land, growing crops, raising livestock, harvesting figs, grapes, olives. Most of that stuff took three to five years to produce fruit. So uh, Habakkuk knew that everyone was dependent on God, you know, everything totally dependent on God. Now, I kind of broke it down. This kind of translates uh, for us today. Just kind of listen to this, kind of what he was saying. Though my paycheck never arrives, I am suddenly fired from my job. My bank account has been drained from a scam. Those who owe me money won't pay. My refrigerator and my pantry are empty, and there's no food on the table. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will be the Savior, joyful in God my Savior. And we got to remember that true joy, is, it's, a, it's a feeling. It's not an emotion, and it's from deep down in our soul. And there's four things that we need to remember about joy. Three that it is, and one that it is not. And the first three is, it is found only in God's presence. It flows from thankfulness. It must be ch- chosen. In other words, what are we focusing on? We, we can choose to be joyful, or we can choose to be down and out and then the finally the last one is what it's not it is not dependent on our situation my joy is not determined by what happens to me but what christ is doing in me and through me joy matters we as christians experience trials and difficulties the same as the rest of the world but we handle them different we have a light even in dark moments joy is essential to the christian we cannot get far without it just like the shepherds, we anticipate the joy of the second coming of our Savior. So let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you this morning for, for blessing us with another day to come to, to fellowship, to, to study your word. Father, this season that we celebrate, Father, help us to remember that what it's all about, the birth of your Son, our Savior. Father, we get wrapped around the axle sometimes with things going on. But sometimes we need to step back and, Father, just stay focused on you. Help us to keep that in mind. Be with us now as we study your word. Be with Pastor as He breaks the bread to us. And I just ask that you bless each person, each family represented here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Good morning you'll stand, we're going to begin worship with singing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. spin this morning with We Three Kings. And sing joy to the world together. be seated and if the children will come to the front to light the Advent candle. Man, guess what? Mr. Wayne didn't steal Neil's thunder, he stole mine. He already told y'all all about it this morning, so we'll just review real quick, okay? So the first week, anybody remember what the first week was? Starts with an H. H H H-O. Ooh, close. Try again. Ooh, even closer. H-O-P. Hope. Hope. There we go. So first week was hope. And then the second week was? This week's joy. Second week was? Nice and gentle and sweet and calm and Peace. Okay, so we've got hope. We've got peace. Last week, y'all sang, right, and added love. And then this week, what do you notice joy. about this week's candle? Joy. It is joy, but what do you notice about the candle? Pink. It's pink. That is because these purple candles, the purple represents prayer. And the um, liturgy, it's a it's a term for theology stuff. And the pink is the color for joy. So, I can't say that word right. I was even going to try. And so, pink is... Joy. So now we have hope, peace, love, and joy. Are we done? No, we have one more. We have one more. When do y'all think we get to the, the white one? Christmas. Mmm, close. So Saturday, okay? Saturday, y'all need to, like, remind your parents. Can you do that? Can you go, Mom, Mom, Mom. Can you tell them that Saturday night, we will have our Christmas Eve service. Saturday. Christmas Eve. It is Christmas Eve. And so we'll write the, we'll write, what? look. We will light the white one on Christmas Eve because Christ is the light of the world. And we'll light that in honor of him bringing his light to us. All right? Let's pray real quick. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much um, just for the reminders, God, of your hope and peace and love and joy that are to fill our hearts, God, this Christmas season. Lord, um, I love what was said earlier that joy is something that we must choose each day, God. So may we be reminded this week to choose joy in every situation and in all circumstances. Lord, be with our kids as they go to church and the workers working with them. And be with Pastor Neal as he brings our message, God. Lord, we love you and praise you and thank you. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Good job. All right, y'all are going right back there with Ms. Katrina.
3: Thank you, Catherine. And as the children leave, hey, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, we're only going to read verses 1 through 9, even though I think I advertised at some point we'd read the whole chapter. There's going to be enough to eat in verses 1 through 9. And if you want leftovers, uh, read the rest of the book later in the day. Mr. Wayne, I really enjoyed, that was a solid message on joy, wasn't it? I especially like the JIV, the Jackie International Version. That was really good on Habakkuk. So grateful for Mr. Jackie, his love for the Word, for the Lord, and us, that he would share with us, as Catherine just did, the um, The theme for this morning, which is joy. Now, it is advertised that this is the most wonderful time of the year, but it doesn't always feel that way, does it? And Mr. Wayne pointed out some of the practical reasons why it doesn't always feel like, you know, a time of rejoicing and being merry. It seems like for every shepherd or every wise man, there's a, there's a Grinch and a Scrooge, all right? And so all of us know at times what that feels like. Um, as we lead into this passage on joy, let's also confront the reality that for a lot of the people that we know and love... They struggle to rejoice at this time of year because of the things that they're going through in their personal lives and the lives of people they care about. This morning I called Mr. Joe Whittemore, and a lot of you asked me about Mr. Joe. And just to be honest with you, Mr. Joe told me today, he said it's been three months uh, since my wife Judy passed, and I still, I, I, I can't get over the hump. I thought that I would be, you know, through this by now, but I just can't force myself I want to be there, but I can't force myself to, to come, and, and and we can connect with that, some of us, even though I do not know what it's like to lose a spouse, but Mr. Joe does, and so the, the actual season kind of has a twist to it in that if it's not the most joyful time of the year, there's... It increases the feeling of of loss and and grief. I'm not going to belabor this, but Casey Cook asked me to update you guys on uh, her dad, Mr. Philip Denny. And the reason she asked me to do that today is that she's in the nursery and won't get all emotional as we share. But he's holding his own. Uh, He's having good days. They're able to spend some time with him. So she asked me to thank you for your prayers and your love. So right here at Christmas... There's people in the emergency room. There's people in the hospital. Billy Vaughn's in the hospital right now. Uh, Debbie Smith's mom, Carol, is in the hospital right now. I mean, I'm not going to go on and on, but people we know and love and care about seem to struggle, especially at Christmas time. it It can enhance the grief. It can enhance the loneliness. It can enhance all the things that we've been talking about. So not to be Debbie Downer as we get into joy, But what do we do about the reality? The pain, the suffering, the injustice, the war, the loss? Uh, Let's see what Peter says. 1 Peter 1, verses 1 through 9. I know this is a non-traditional Christmas passage. But I'm hung up on verse 8, all right? And we're going to... We're going to get to verse 8 and, and, and you'll see why I'm a little bit caught up on that one uh, this week. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So later on in Peter's life, after he got through a lot of his personal stuff, I mean, he sends a letter out to these aliens who are scattered and they're, they're struggling and they're dispersed among all these places and they're going through testing and trials and difficulty. But he says they're chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that you may obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. Then he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, if you've been paying attention during during Advent, you know that Peter has already touched on three of the themes. Right? Hope, peace, and love. He's already talked about those, so those are all connected. They all come as part of a set that ultimately we will see today will be joy. So he talked about the hope, the living hope. Then he says in verse 4, "...to obtain an inheritance which is unperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice." There's a sermon right there. In what he just said, you greatly rejoice. What has he just said? He's talking about what God has already done for us in Christ, what God is doing for us in Christ, and what God will do for us in Christ. And it's my job to help you see that as we preach through that in just a minute. But he says, in this you greatly rejoice. Even though now, for a little while, temporary, momentary, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Ah, so there's, there's the real world right there. We are distressed temporarily by all the trials and difficulties that we are facing, right? Right. Well, we show up on Sunday morning, we are reminded again of who God is and what God has done for us in Christ. We sing and we pray and we listen and then God through that starts to lift us into what? Joy. We're not denying here the realities of the difficulties of life. We're not selling some delusional uh, thing here to, to get us all distracted and forgetful and just suppress all that no we're, we're facing it look life's hard these are real people with real pain and real suffering and real hurt but there's something here that tra- it is, is transcending all of that what is, what is that and, and he says in verse 7 that the proof of your faith well your faith is being tested what good is a faith that's never tested and you go down to the football field and you run across the goal line as many times as you want to. But if there has not been a defense there, you haven't, you haven't done anything, right? <laughs> Sorry, I just came up with that on the fly. That's, I don't know if that was any good or not. <laughs> but you hear what Peter's saying. Being more precious than gold, gold is perishable and is tested by fire. But it will be found, and and the root word here is eureka, eureka, we've found it. It will be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now what this means is when he returns, you will receive from him praise and honor and glory for the fact that you have trusted and believed, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. This is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. And when Christ returns, crowns and glory and reward infinitely beyond cannot be compared to what we're going through now. And then verse 8. Hey, here's the hung up verse. Here's the whole reason we're in 1 Peter 1. Though you have not seen him, Jesus. We've never seen Jesus. Jesus. Then then why do we believe? He's never revealed himself to us. Ah, but Peter had seen him, had he not? And Peter's life was transformed by the resurrection of Christ. Thus the letter to the scattered aliens who are living out their faith in the real world. So Peter says, look, you haven't seen him. But you love him. You love him. There's a relationship with the one who is unseen. And though you do not see him now. You haven't seen him and you're not looking at him now with physical eyes. But you believe in him. You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. There it is. Though you have not seen him and though you don't see him now. But because you believe in him Peter says, you are greatly rejoicing with a joy unspeakable and inexpressible and full of glory. That verse right there. Man, how do we live in that? How do we experience that? Verse 9, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your soul. Is that not the question of all questions? Who will save your soul? What will you give in exchange for your soul? What a gift, salvation of the soul. Uh, That's our joy, is it not? Father, thank you for reading and, and really already explaining the joy of your word. Your word is a a great source of truth and joy and hope. All that we talk about with Jesus, uh, we get through the, the, the living and abiding word. Thank you that just in reading it and, and telling it, that joy comes in and of itself through that. And so may that be a lesson we learn today. That if we do want to increase our joy over one whom we have not seen and one we do not see, we know that he comes to us in real spiritual presence and time through the reading and the believing and and hearing of the Word. Uh, Faith comes through hearing, and hearing through the Word of God. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, our theme today for the 10,000th time is joy. (laughs) Now, if you study this word joy and you study the word grace... The root word of grace is also the root word of joy. Which means this in street terms. Grace is the reason for our joy. God's grace is the occasion for our joy. And in older times, uh, the the word grace, charis, and the word joy, kara, could be expressed... Physically by a, a, a dancer dancing across a stage. And she's leaping and she's jumping. So when they would use words to describe dancers dancing across a stage, the, the root words that we're talking about this morning, grace and joy, were ways that that word could be expressed physically with our, with our bodies. I think of the the phrase in Acts. They went walking and leaping and praising God. So how does joy that we have down inside of us become expressed through the things which we do with our lives? Wednesday night at um, our Flat Rock campground service, which we had indoors at Prospect Church, someone came up to me afterwards and, and said to me, Stephanie Roberts? who we heard sing here this morning, she just had so much joy. She's back there. She's smiling while she sings. <laughs> that type of thing. That's, that's what we're saying. Hey, the, the other week, John Mark Ark needed a dog crate, and we had one. So, Ben and I travel down Highway 27. We take a ride on Joe Cook Road. We cut over to Nottinghamish Road. We get behind a school bus. How do you do that in Hurd County? You get behind a school bus. And the school bus is stopping and letting off kids in the school. You you know the drill. We get to the corner of Joe Cook Road and Nottinghamish Road. And this little kid with a backpack gets off the bus, and he's got to be in like third or fourth grade. He steps off the bus. He turns around at the bus. He takes off his backpack and throws it down on the ground. (laughs) Then he proceeds to do the most amazing back handspring flip you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) And then he looks up at the bus and he does this. I said, man, that kid feels good. (laughs) I don't know what he's got going on in his life. Maybe if he's home from school. But that to me is a pretty good illustration of verse 8. The only difference is you and I don't have quite the capacity or the ability to express it like that. I only get into all that to say verse 8 is an incredible verse. You cannot overstate verse 8. He said it earlier, and he's going to say it again later in the book, about greatly rejoicing during trials and difficulties. That, that's counter, that doesn't make sense. What do you mean? You, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That may be the most joy-packed verse in the Bible. I don't know. Mr. Wayne could probably tell us. We would have to research that, wouldn't we? But what an incredible verse. So so I need to sum up for you how we get to that point, or how Peter gets the Christians to that point. Because, the, hey, they, they, they've got it going on. They've got real life going on to the nth degree in ways that you and I, in our particular comfortable culture, can, cannot even possibly uh, begin to, to relate to, but, but, but he gets them there, and, and, and I pray and, and hope that he gets us there. Everything is centered on Jesus. Everything is wrapped around and wrapped up in the gift of Christ to us. If we were to nail down what Peter's talking about here in this letter, and, and, and also in the other places in the new testament where jesus speaks of these things we will know that what peter's talking about and what he's getting at is the birth of jesus where god came down to rescue us he is emmanuel god with us god refused to leave us in our sinful fallen hopeless condition the life of jesus in which jesus perfectly fulfilled and kept the just lawful demands of god Jesus really was holy as he is holy. His death, sacrificial substitute, suffering and dying for us. His resurrection, if you read this letter, Peter continually draws joy from the resurrection of Jesus from the dead as the, bound, as the basis and the ground for our ultimate joy and hope. And then his future revelation, his return... Perfect joy will one day come again and we will see it in the face of the return of Jesus Christ our Lord. These are historical realities. They are facts. They are things that really happen and continue to happen and will happen. So first, just three clear points this morning, three simple points. We need to find joy and we need to rejoice in what God has done. What God has done. Rejoice over the fact that we have been saved from sin's penalty forever. And therefore we have absolute forgiveness and absolute righteousness in the gift that is Jesus Christ. What has God done? Peter praises God, he worships God, he rejoices in God. Because it is the mercy of God and the love of God and the justice of God that has done, for example, what verse 2 talks about. We have been sprinkled with His blood. Sacrifice. Atonement. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. God made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. We're talking here again about the biblical doctrine of justification. Well, what in the world does that have to do with my joy today? Well, I said this a couple of weeks ago. I think all of us live with this underlying sense of guilt. And debt. And sometimes we can put our finger on it and sometimes we can't. We're under a curse and we're, we're, we have violated God and we are rebels against Him. And sometimes we're aware of that and sometimes we're not. We violated something sacred and good and perfect. And we're living with this, this haunting guilt that we just can't quite satisfy or, 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 or completely do away with. But we have that in Jesus. So I heard a guy tell a story one time that, like, when he was in middle school, he was playing basketball. With his school all in attendance, cheerleaders over there cheering. He scored a goal for the wrong team. In a heated, crucial moment, he got turned around. And in his testimony later on as an an adult, he shared that he had realized he had spent a, a good bit of his life trying to compensate for doing something so horrible, so to speak, so long ago. And we're like, that doesn't make sense. Well, look at your life and the things that have revealed that you're human and embarrassing And fallen. You ever seen those serve pro trucks? They come in and clean up all these water disasters and traumatic house events. They've got a motto. I'm not sure I believe it. I don't know if anybody believes it. (laughs) Make it like it never happened. Is anybody that good? Let me tell you, the offering of Jesus Christ on the cross... Was really that good. And what Peter grounds his joy in first is something that God had done for him in Jesus. You think Peter knows what it's like to fail and to sin and to feel guilty about violating something good and sacred and holy? He denied Jesus three times in the most crucial of moments. He failed. How can he now rejoice? Because he knows the reality of absolute forgiveness through the blood of Christ. And until you start there, you can't get to the other places. The greatest need of the human heart is forgiveness. In a vertical direction, we've all sinned and fallen short of His glory. And whether you recognize it or not, a lot of the insatiable things that we pursue, trying to find joy, are are, kind of like Adam and Eve when they sinned against God and they were hiding in the trees. They, They constructed these inadequate coverings for their nakedness and their shame, and they couldn't pull it off. God does it for them by sacrificing a lamb or an animal. I'm getting ahead to next Sunday's sermon, so I better move on. Number two, the other aspect of this is not just what God has done, and that we have been saved from the penalty of sin, but let's think today, what is God doing? God is doing something now. Peter writes to them in the present, and he tells them, Listen, you've been born again. You have new life. Not only have you been forgiven, and you've been saved from the penalty of sin, but, but right now God is doing something in you. God is at work in your life. You're a new creation. You're not what you, you were, and you're not yet what you're going to be, but, but God is moving and working and changing your life. You're a new creation. And He's currently saving you from the power of sin and the grip of sin, which involves all the joy killers that we know. Some joy killers. <laughs> I got them and you got them. Greed, selfishness, pride, self pity. I could go on and on. Anger, hatred, resentment. Those are enemies of joy in our lives. But God is at work in us now to grow us and change us and sanctify us to change our hearts and lives so that we can find joy in the true things of God, the same things Jesus had, which is generosity and selflessness and love and forgiveness. God is at work in you both to will and do for His good pleasure. And that is such a great source of joy and refreshing peace and hope in our lives. What is God doing? Hey, We can rejoice in the ongoing transformation project that all of us are. I find great joy in preaching. I find great joy in ministry. I find great joy in nursing homes and hospitals. But if you had asked me that 40 years ago, I would have said, you are crazy. So God's at work in me. God's at work in you. Hey, yesterday I did something amazing for me. I let somebody else cut ahead of me at the McDonald's drive-thru line. I, wow, right, monumental. Look at this preacher. He's letting somebody else go first. You know how it is at McDonald's where two people can order at about the same time, and then what do you do when you both, after you order, you converge into that lane? Man, I had just ordered four biscuits I don't know what she ordered, but her, man, they converged. And nice guy that I am. You go ahead, you know. I felt all holy and wonderful, you know. And one time a week, right? One time a week. I get up there to the next window to pay for my breakfast. and the Y'all are tired of my fast food stories, I know. I, last one for 2022. She says, the lady in front of you paid for your meal. And that gave me great joy. (laughs) You would be shocked that if you would rejoice, and if you would give hope, and if you would give peace, and if you would give love, if you would give out the things that God has given to you, As part of your ongoing transformation. I know your natural instinct is to want to be first. You know how I know it. The Bible says it and I got it in me. But if we would die to self and allow his spirit to work through us. And then we begin to love and rejoice. God amazingly, he knows what he's doing. He's sovereign and in charge. He will bring joy back into your life. I've told you before about the little boy in the echo. He goes out to the edge of the woods. He says... I hate you. And he hears a voice back to him. I hate you. I'm going to fight you. I'm going to fight you. He runs inside and he tells his mom, there's this crazy bully in the woods. He wants to beat me up. She's smart. She says, you go out there and you, you shout to him, I love you. He runs out to the edge of the woods. He says, I love you. The echo back, I love you. He runs back into his mom. He says, Mom, (laughs) everything's changed. Hey, everything that we're talking about, the joy, the love that comes down to us in Christ, your ongoing transformation project is to have Christ formed in you and when you die to yourself and become obedient to those commands that he's given you, ah, then you'll be surprised by joy yourself in ways that you might not have realized were there. All right, let me close this out. we got other Sundays coming. Not just what God has done, not just what he is doing, but Peter puts a lot of emphasis on what God will do in the future for us through Christ. And the reason he knows he's going to do the future work is he looks back at what he did on the cross. If he has not withheld his son, how shall he not also freely with him give us all the things that he's promised? He looks at what God is doing through persecution and trials and the work of the Spirit and the life of the church, creating love and unity and humility, things the world is struggling to find. He knows based on what God has done and is doing. He knows for certain what He will do. And what He says that He will do is that we have an inheritance coming. We have a reward coming. We have praise and honor from the praiseworthy one, God our Father... And when he returns, we are going to finally have the one thing that we hunger for and crave and desire more than anything else in the world, and that's pleasure and favor from God to us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all three have existed in joyful love forever. And when he returns, he's going to put that same God-sized joy Onto us and into us because then we will finally be saved from sin's presence. There will be no more thorns to infest the ground because his blessings finally will go as far as the curse has been found and there will be a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And though we have not seen him and though we do not see him now, Praise God, we will see him, right? We will see him just as he is because we're going to be like him. So all of this is future grace. All of this are the gifts that are going to be given in the future at his return. That those things should cause you joy now. So not just what God has done, not just what he is doing. We should rejoice in what he's going to do. Quick closing illustration. How many of you, as you grew up, finally realized where your parents were hiding your Christmas gifts? Hey, my parents are here. I'm going to confess some stuff right now before us. Look, it's always check, check the trunk of the car, okay? Check the top of the closets, all right? There were a few Christmas seasons where I got a, a little peek in what, in what was coming, right? Right? Maybe days, maybe weeks before Christmas morning, there it was. It had, it had already been purchased. It had already been stored, and it was up high where I couldn't get to, but I could see it, right? Man, what a, what a corrupt young person I was. <laughs> you know, sneaking and creeping around. Don't look at me like that. Y'all did that too. How did that make you feel? Well you had joy coming, and you had something to look forward to, but more than that, I think you felt you felt loved you felt known you felt listened to now it's been said that a lot of the things that we celebrate at Christmas actually point to a greater reality that's the reality once it's grasped and understood is, is larger and more powerful than the traditions without going into too much detail. But why would God tell us so confidently what's ahead Because he loves us and he knows what we're going through in the moment. And so he's given us a way to find joy now, even when distressed by trials, by being confident of his character and his love which is coming then so that we can kind of go into the future and draw from the future bank deposits that we can enjoy now, that will give us joy and peace and hope and love along the way. That's how much our Heavenly Father loves us. He's gone in advance and told us, here's what you're getting in the future. Here's what's coming. Know that, understand that, and believe that now. So though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We just opened up the gift of salvation of the soul. Past, present, and future. What a gift God has given us in Christ. He is our joy. Father, thank you for loving us the way you have. Thank you for... The fact that Christ, for the joy before Him, Hebrews 12 says, the joy before Him, He endured the cross. It was for joy that He died. It was for our joy that He suffered. It was for our joy that He left glory and perfect joy above and descended into the earth and into humanity and into flesh to die for us, to be raised for us, so that we could really have true grounds for joy in the midst of grief and sorrow and loneliness and suffering. Lord, may we stop looking for joy in all the wrong places. And may we instead look for permanent, abiding, everlasting joy in Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing about where Christ was born, a little town of Bethlehem. Close us with our doxology. As Bryson mentioned earlier, no evening activities today. Uh, hey, spend time with your family here at Christmas. Yeah. Hey, I, re, real talk here, off the, off the record. Normally, it means he thinks, oh, what's kind of... We forgot Lottie Moon, and she's, she's asking me about Lottie Moon. So here's what we're going to do. Bryson and I talked, and I haven't even talked about this with Crystal, who ends up handling this. I think what we're going to do is throughout the month of January, we're going to make that a focus on Lottie Moon. Here's why we forgot Lottie Moon. Number one, we're sinful people. <laughs> but in all honesty, we got Bethlehem going on. you just got all this stuff coming on. In the middle of the month, we're like, what are we going to do about Lottie Moon? I forgot Lottie Moon. You been there? So I think the best plan at this point, since we're almost done with the month, and y'all didn't know she was open up, opening up another sermon Is that we're going to take it through January the, it, it will go to missions at any time It is needed all the time So January is going to be our focus on Lottie Moon So thank you for asking Because I know a lot of you are probably asking and wondering too You can give to it throughout the year But we're going to focus on that in January That sounds like a plan? Yes. Okay, sounds good We're in favor <laughs> Alright, we'll take Lottie Moon in January <laughs> It's a long way of answering her question
2: Don't forget, Saturday is our Christmas Eve service. It starts at 6. It's my favorite service of the year. It's so, so good. Um, So invite your family to come to that. And then next morning, next morning, Sunday morning is Christmas. So donuts and coffee at 10. And we will worship together for Christmas Day. Let's sing Go Tell It on the Mountain. Oh, and gifts. Don't forget, if you have a gift for a child that you didn't bring today, it's got to be here by Tuesday. It's got to be here by Tuesday. Okay, let's sing. Go tell it on the mountain Over the hills and everywhere Go tell it on the mountain That Jesus Christ is born We'll see y'all Wednesday for Carolyn. You'll have a great week.